Alvarez. Hi. How you doing? Good. Welcome to uh, welcome to Word Tetris. Thanks for having me. You're, she's wearing her data writer hat. <laughs> Which I forgot I was wearing today until my cab driver, my Lyft driver, was like, why data writer? And I'm like, I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You can have a day. Daniel walked in and the first words out of my mouth was, I need to use your bathroom. <laughs> I've had a couple of scotches. <laughs> Wait, since you got on the ground? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of en route here. Well, this is going to be a fun podcast. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Quickly, before we begin, uh, the first 20 minutes of this episode will be available for free on your, all your podcasts and all the fun. Um, if you want the full episode, head over to patreon.com slash wartetris. Sign up for just the $1 an episode tier. You get the full episode. But if you sign up for the $3 an episode tier, you get the full episode plus a bonus episode. Bonuses! Um, Danielle, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me online at Twitter at LSEP, E-L-L-E-S-E-P. Uh, I'm on Instagram too at Danielle Sup, but I'm not that impressive over there, so I'd probably stick to Twitter. <laughs> you find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Meryl. For the record, you're always impressive. You find me on Twitter <laughs> at twitter.com slash Meryl Barr, M E R R I L L B A R R. Now, first question of the day, Danielle, in okay. your less than sober state. <laughs> no. What's your opinion on rewriting? Do you hate it? Do you like it? <sighs> Do you find it necessary? Uh, yes, I do find it necessary. I don't think anything right out the gate is perfect. Um, I think it's super rare if it is. And, you know, congratulations to you. if Congratulations to you for being the most genius yes, writer ever. Like, you know, way to go on that. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm lucky where most of my writing goes through these great editors at really solid publications. So my rewrites are based off of really good notes from people who are definitely a little bit smarter than me. Now, this hasn't come up yet on the show, but you're a prose writer. Yes. You're not really, you you, you do dabble in screenwriting, but yeah. you're primarily a prose writer. Yes, You've so. written an autobi autobiography. You've written however many articles at this point. Mm -hmm. You know, and I want someone beside, because I can talk about this too, right? Because mm -hmm. I, I work, I've worked in that field. Right. Um, prose, rewriting prose, I've always found, I don't know how you feel about it, but I've always found it much easier to do. It's a much less painful process to me. It's, you know, um, I don't usually have to fight so much on it. So yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, I, I have fought for stuff to keep things in because sometimes if an article gets edited so extensively that it might be at the point that I'll reread it and think, God, this doesn't even sound like my voice anymore because it's, it's just been edited to the point that it doesn't sound like me and I don't really like that. So I will fight for things that I think keeps my voice or, or my tone, which, you know, I think is important. Um, to be recognizable, but also majority of the time, the notes that I do get from editors on these pieces that I write, they're smart. And see, you get notes when I, whenever I, luckily I, these days I pretty much only worked for Forbes and you know, Forbes is a right, you're on your own, mm -hmm. right? It's an on your own system. Then right. the handful of times I had editors, there's always a process of here you go. And then mm -hmm. I never saw it again until it went live. Right. I never got a bounce back process. So okay. In prose, I never really got, I never feel like I've gotten an opportunity to get the notes and then go back and address mm -hmm. the notes. It's take it or leave it. Right? Okay. Which, because I feel like when I'm doing the rewrite process myself, 
I don't know. Maybe there is a confidence level where I have. I also don't feel like I need to toy over every last detail of the prose. Where mm-hmm. in a screenplay, you know, I feel like every word matters. Right. You well, know, the, I think the the notes and uh, granted to like what you said, I have much less experience in the screenwriting area, but for the things that I have worked on and that I have, you know, given over to people for notes, the notes are so broad that it is, it's really, can be really hard to address versus an article where they can just say, hey, this paragraph isn't working because of X, Y, and Z. And then you can fix X, Y, and Z or, you know, cut some lines or, you know, put better connective tissue in between, you know, your paragraphs versus a script where they might say, we don't understand this character at all. Right. And then you're thinking, oh, shit. Right. There is a, there is a, I think in my, in my house, I do with fiction versus nonfiction. Yeah. What was the rewrite process like on your book? Oh, for the um, right, by the way, if you don't know the book, Losing It by Daniel Sapolsky, what's the full title? Uh, Losing It, the semi-scandalous story of an ex-virgin. Right. Okay. <laughs> so if the, that book is very honest, <laughs> save for some name changes, um, yeah, you still, I still don't like that you sold the name Matt Ryan down the river because, <laughs> because the actor Matt Ryan is very nice. <laughs> He's a very nice dude. Um, this is before him. <laughs> this is before him. True. Fair. Okay. So what was that process like? Cause you were also rewriting, you're also rewriting your own life. So if you write, I imagine if you rent to write the first version, you're like, well, this is what happened. Yeah, it's that it was hard because I I wrote it as it was happening and it was so emotional and you know, an emotion is good but also sometimes it it gives you such less objectivity about things that you're like, well, I'm just writing this exactly as it happened and and that's all I can do with it whereas if you kind of take a minute sometimes and think about it you know, n- not that you're going to change what happened because you can't because what happened is what happened, but you can maybe sort of explain it with a little more nuance when you have a little bit more distance. What's like is, an example of that? Um, I guess, well, I mean, p- part of the book is about this very devastating breakup that I went through and um, how heartbroken I was. And... I I was very much at that time just focused on how angry and how upset I was. And as time went on uh, and I thought back on things and also I was maturing, you know, and, and learning from new relationships, there was a lot of emotional abuse going on between me and this guy and how he was treating me. And I didn't even recognize that for what it was because I had never experienced it before. And then once you have a little bit of distance with certain situations, and then you can look back on them and think, oh my God, you know, what was I putting up with? And, you know, whereas I kind of for a long time thought it was just your run of the mill bad breakup. Mm-hmm. And later on realized, oh my God, this was, this had so much more going on to it that I wasn't even aware of. So how did you go about applying that new knowledge when it came to reworking the novel? I mean, memoir. honestly, uh, I I was afraid to change too much because I kind of wanted to stay true to the emotion 
of how it was when it was happening. So I would say I actually applied it more when I was writing some articles, almost as if it were somewhat of a sequel to the book. Like I wrote a piece for Elle magazine that uh, sort of explained that whole relationship and what happened afterwards. And that's, I would kind of attribute that 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 almost stood in for my rewriting process right. in that particular case. And the article, so the article came out after the book was. Yes, out, right? the article came out right. a long time after the book. Okay, so when you so then when you were in the book, mm-hmm. what did you change? What did you when you when you went back and in, especially after editors got a hold of it, what needed to change? Um, you know, I just a little bit more introspection. Uh. I I think I put in a little bit more about how I felt and what I was thinking versus everything being, I'm a victim, I'm a victim, this happened to me. And don't get me wrong, it did, you know, that is a huge part of it. But also, I think initially, I didn't put enough of myself in there. I just made it all sound like it was you just presented it as fact and didn't act, like you presented textbook of what yeah happened, and that like it was just class. like and me just being more like reactionary to all of it versus mm-hmm. um explaining kind of how it got there too which is important you know because it's i think for even just like personal growth it was important to see what i allowed and what i let happen and what I didn't realize I was allowing to happen because I didn't know any better. Now, when you say you were writing it as it's happening, you mean because you were journaling at the time and you went to a lot of the journals, right? And yes. ended up transcribing a bunch of them? Right. Right. So in the process of transcribing those journals, was it, it, it wasn't a one-to-one, right? Or was it a one-to-one? Um, I mean, it kind of was, I guess, a little bit of a one-to-one. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, you know, and also, I mean, I, I, the, the strongest memory I have of writing it, it's like sitting in my parents' dining room with my laptop and just like crying my eyes out, writing these chapters, like as if they had just happened and it hadn't been that long ago, but it was still so raw. And, um, you know, part of me wanted to just stop and not do it and just wait until it didn't feel so bad to do it. But then also at the same time, I'm like, I don't think I'm ever going to get this down the way it should be if I don't if, do it, if now. I don't do it now. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, you then go through the process of selling it and having the editors involved and <laughs> all that stuff. And, and you're basically having people pick apart reality right what was that like when they were like picking like well like yeah this really happened but it's we still gotta sell books like (laughs) like we can't sell a textbook like you know what was what was the notes process like in that um i feel like most of the notes i got were this is going to be really hard to sell because um not that it's not important and not that it's not relatable but we don't know that people, you know, want to kind of face this was sort of the note that I kept getting was like, you know, we get that this is going on. We get that this is important. They should have just waited 10 years. I I, like, honestly, like it's, you're not wrong. I had this conversation like this week with a lit agent where we were talking about it. And I was like, it literally just came out at the wrong time. Like if, 
you know, I don't think I would have had any trouble with it now or right. even in the last couple of years. It's right. just, I was, I was too ahead of the game. <laughs> <laughs> you were too ahead of the game on sharing your trauma. I was. <laughs> um, so when you, st- once you found the person who was going to put it out and you start, they, you start going through the, the mm-hmm. editorial process with them, you know, you were getting the notes of more introspection and, you know, did you at any point feel like you had somehow failed with the first, with the first take like pass of it? Um, because you were getting those notes of like, did you feel like, did you feel in any way precious over the fact that this, this is what happened? Like. How can I rewrite what happened? Right. And that's kind of the core I want to... I'm curious... Because I'm very curious about people who write memoirs. It's like, do you, are you in, do you embellish it? Do you approach it from different angles? Like, how do you rewrite the truth? It's mm, good. <laughs> without, without destroying the truth. Right, right. Right. I mean, I... When I wrote that one, I was still so full of anger and sadness about all of it, that it, it just kind of came out of me in a, like, this is exactly how I felt. This is exactly how it happened. I'm not exaggerating in the slightest. I'm not changing anything in the slightest. Um, whereas I think with age comes a little bit of, you know, uh, more intelligence, if you will. Right. And whereas now, when it comes to me writing the memoir that I want to work on right now, it's you sort of learn how to pick and choose what you want to tell versus like, you know, what's the truth and what's not the truth because it's all the truth. But I think back then I was so desperate to kind of have my story told that I just wanted to tell all of it and it's all it's embarrassing you know terrible traumatic glory as you know whereas now it's not that I'm afraid to tell things like in and like or lay things bare it's more that I feel like there's certain things that it's okay to keep for myself um and and not that it changes how I'd be perceived in the story. It's just something that, you know, maybe can't perfectly be described in a book or an article or a script or, you know, or, or whatever. It's just, it's something that's mine and that happened to me. And if you weren't there, you may not a hundred percent understand what happens. And I think that sometimes it's, it's best to stick to, what people will understand of your story and like understanding what those parts are. Now, you know, you also do it right. You, your job basically is to bear your soul on a <laughs> weekly to monthly basis for various <laughs> outlets, you know, and when you're doing that and, you know, do you start finding, do you start do you start to build like how what's that process like because you get at the first the first i imagine the first pass of any of those is basically a journal almost um that's the way i picture it um Mm. and then you go into the rewriting part of that you know what is when it especially when it starts being more short form 
Well, what's that process? I mean, I would, I would say more like when I was first doing this and I was just more blogging, that's when it was more like a journal. And now that I've written so often for, you know, places like the Washington Post or the Atlantic or, um, you know, racked and, and however many other places I more think of it, if I'm pitching something and I'm talking to an editor about it before I even talk to them, I think like, okay, I have this interesting story of something that happened to me, but why should anybody care? And then I try to look for the element of it. That's either relatable or entertaining or interesting and see how like to make that the broader part of it versus then just like dear diary this is what happened Mm -hmm. to me on tuesday (laughs) and and so and then when you do that and you get it down Mm -hmm. how do you what's the is it what's the approach then on the edit on the editing part of it um you know it depends i'm lucky i have some really really great editors like uh lisa bonos from soloish at the washington post like she and i have a very good relationship where we'll we'll go back and forth on stuff and where she'll you know and she'll give me like regular editing notes but she'll also kind of pop in and be like you know well why did why do you think this happens like with this person or um are you sure you want to tell this part of it and you know or you want to like go into detail about you know this or um and you know what one of the things I like about her and that relationship column is how she's very adamant against you publicly working out your issues with someone that you haven't addressed personally. And, you know, I mean, and I've, I've not done that, but it's just something we've talked about. Cause you know, a lot of the stuff that I've written about for her is in the past and, you know, has had some kind of a resolution to it, which is why I've written about it because, you know, it, it came to a head and like, there's a story there. Um, but that's one of the things that she'll have you go through and do and be like, you know, uh, did you, did you talk to this person about this or are you just surmising like what they may have thought or what could have happened? And I think in an age where the personal essay is still a very big thing in the mainstream, it's a really, I feel like it's the only, I feel like it's the only online, it's the only, uh, format online that still is actually profitable it's, like every yeah. other you know new entertainment news mm-hmm. you know fucking you know, science article like it's all there's no money in it it's like for some reason the personal essay i think is the only place where people that's why it still exists and well, why it's you sound like my mentor susan <laughs> she's uh, the reason why i'm in la this week um so susan shapiro just came out with this book the byline bible mm-hmm. and uh she's been an adjunct professor at nyu for many many years but she also teaches these writing workshops and um part of the reason why she's been so successful as a teacher is because she doesn't just teach her students how to be good writers. She teaches them how to make a living at it. And she teaches them how to pitch publications and how to get published and how to make money. Like she teaches them practical advice as well as the writing aspect, which not a lot of people do, you know, when, especially if you're in school and getting your degree, like their, their goal isn't necessarily to, you know, have you make like 500 bucks for a byline. It's to like just, To hear the rest of this episode, head on over to patreon.com slash wordtetris.